Welcome to the podcast of the First Baptist Church of Dumas, Texas, featuring biblical teaching and preaching from God's inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word. If you live in the Panhandle area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you at First Baptist Church. We meet every Lord's Day for Sunday school at 9 a.m. and morning worship at 10.30 a.m. We also have midweek discipleship opportunities for all ages on Wednesdays. For more information, visit us at fbcdumastx.com. That's fbcdumastx.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Now open your Bible as we explore God's Word together. Well, good morning, First Dumas. It's great to be with you this morning, and I am privileged and honored to be here on the behalf of the invitation of your pastor, who, by the way, I have just in a short time grown to love. I had no idea how talented he is. He is a preacher of the word, a pastor, a leader. He plays an instrument. He sings in the choir. Last night I found out he can eat. I mean, I'm telling you, he is a talented guy. So uh, by God's grace, it is my privilege to now be a friend of your pastor. And he loves you. He told me all about last night how much he loves being here and pastoring and shepherding you. And friends, you have a gym as your pastor. And so my encouragement to you, yes, amen, is to thank God for him and to get behind him and follow his leadership as he leads you to reach Dumas and beyond. And I also need to say to you that I do hope we see each other again in a little different context, though I'm glad to be here. I follow the Dumas Demons in football because my son plays in a class 4A Division I school too, and there is a, prob- a possibility, I wish I could say probability on either of our sides, but a possibility we could face you in the playoffs. And how fun would that be? And so uh, just maybe where it's a little warmer, it's cold out here, so... Uh, I have followed you and, and uh, love to see what's going on in your community. And I want to thank you just before we get started this morning for your new partnership with the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. We are a network of a little over 2,700 churches that are uh, committed to standing firm on the energy of Scripture as we seek to reach Texas and impact the world together. And so I want to thank you for your partnership. And I just want to tell you a little bit, just for a moment, if you'll just give me a moment of personal privilege to tell you what that means. What does it mean to be a part of a network of churches like the SBTC who want to reach Texas and impact the world together? Because of our partnership uh, with churches all across Texas and our partnership with uh, our friends at the International Mission Board and North American Mission Board and our seminaries, let me tell you what you do when you partner and you give through the cooperative program. Here's what happens. You get to be in Dumas, Texas this morning but also on the eastern coast of Africa, taking the gospel to the nations. You get to be right here in Dumas, but also in the inner city of London or on the coast of Australia because we are able together to send missionaries all across the world, 3,700 missionaries who get to go and focus on taking the gospel to the nations because they are fully supported by Southern Baptists in our partnership. Today, as we're in Dumas, Texas, somewhere across America, North America, there are 12 to 15 new church planters this morning who have been pushing towards today, launching their new church. I promise you they were up at 4 a.m. setting up. They're probably on their dozen cup of coffee by now, hoping and praying that people will walk through the doors this morning as they launch a new gospel presence 
in a community. My family is a part of one of such church plants. Also today, somewhere around America, there are roughly 20,000 seminary students, the next generation of pastors and Sunday school teachers and worship pastors and, and uh, children's ministers and lay leaders and missionaries being equipped to be sent into the context in which God would call them to invest their life, to take the gospel. And they get to go and be trained because of you and your partnership. So I want to say, on behalf of 2,700 plus churches of the SBTC, thank you for partnering with us. We're here to serve you. We don't tell you what to do. We serve you. And so thank you for your partnership. I want to invite you to turn to Mark chapter 10. This morning I want to share a story, one of the stories that are, has quickly become one of my favorites in Scripture because in this story we see a clash in a sense or a meeting of despair and hope. There is a collision course of current reality which is not favorable but yet faith in Jesus and what he can do. And in this story we're going to see a man by the name of Bartimaeus who has an incredible challenge ahead of him, but yet in a moment upon meeting Jesus, his future and the trajectory of his future was forever changed. But yet for Bartimaeus, he's like a lot of us. Have you ever felt or come to a place in your life where you just felt stuck <laughs> And you just felt like you couldn't get out of the rut. I mean, I know for me, going through COVID and, and kind of the aftermath of, uh, of that time period, I just felt like I was stuck. I felt like no matter what I did, no matter what disciplines I tried to put into my life, I just felt like I was on a treadmill. You know what I mean? When you get on a treadmill, you turn it on, you get on, you run hard, you get tired, you sweat. But at the end of it, you get off in the same place you got on. <laughs> and sometimes life feels that way, doesn't it? And so today as we begin to dive in and look at this man by the name of Bartimaeus, he was clearly stuck in a cycle of life because of a barrier he had. Because of an obstacle he faced. He was simply stuck. And today we're going to kind of journey with him as he encounters Jesus and as Jesus gives him a new trajectory for his life, but I today want to encourage you that for some of you who feel that way, for some of you who feel like maybe in your walk with God you've just been stuck, maybe in your marriage or some kind of relationship that you're in you just feel stuck, maybe it's in a calling or a job, you just feel like you can't advance, you feel like maybe you're all alone and you feel like you can't get out, let me encourage you to do what my son did. I have four children. I tell people their names are any, many, many, it, because there ain't going to be no mo. I promise you. My life is busy, friends. I've got three teenage boys in my house. Their whole side of the house feels like a locker room and, 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 and smells like Axe body spray. I mean, it's just their side of the house. I stay out of it. But we live close to Six Flags over Texas. Has anybody ever been to Six Flags in Dallas over there? There's a roller coaster there called the Titan. I don't know if you've ever ridden the Titan, but a few years ago, we had season passes, and we would take our kids after school, we'd wear them out uh, at Six Flags and then put them to bed early, and, and, uh, and so every time we would go, my oldest son, who's a senior in high school, he would, he's just a daredevil, he would do anything, but my youngest son, 
He has got fire engine red hair. He is now six foot, 180 pounds. He just started his freshman year. We call him opium steroids. We used to always go into the park and we would go and we would go straight to the Titan to the measuring stick. And every year or every time we would go, he would be just short of the measuring stick. Well, one year it was December and they have a December in the park where they light up the park and Christmas lights. And we decided that we would go. And so we get there, we go straight to the Titan. And when we get to the Titan, finally, for the first time ever, Carter could ride the Titan. I said, Carter, man, Dad is so excited for you. He said, why? I said, because tonight is the night we've been waiting on. Tonight is the night you finally get to ride the Titan. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, I'm not riding the Titan. <laughs> I said, oh, no, buddy, you're going to ride the Titan, man. We've been pushing towards this. Well, you've got to ride the Titan. He said, Dad, I'm not riding the Titan. I said, son, you don't understand. You riding the Titan with dad is a passageway between boyhood and manhood. Now, he was eight at the time, but I thought we better start him early. And so he said, Dad, he's very intelligent. He looked at me and said, Dad, under no circumstances am I riding the Titan. So I did what any good dad would do. I said, hey, buddy, what if I gave you $5? He said, where's the line? So we get in line, and we get him strapped in. We start climbing. Now, you ever noticed that engineers of a roller coaster make you climb real slow on the first climb. And here we were climbing slowly. We could see the, 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 the beauty of the park lit up and Christmas lights. We could see Arlington lit up. We looked out and could see the, where the Rangers play and back behind them where the Cowboys attempt to play. And it was just a, a beautiful sight. And so here we were and I said, hey, son, dad forgot to tell you one thing. He said, what's that, dad? I said, I forgot to tell you. There's only one way to ride a roller coaster. Anybody know what that is? Come on, church. Hands up. He looked at me. He said, Dad, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. And so just as we get to the top before we fall, I reached my arm over, and I put my arm on his security bar. And he grabbed my arm and squeezed the circulation right out of it as we fell. After I caught my breath and found my heart down in my stomach, I looked up and my little redhead boy had his eyes closed, his arms raised, screaming at the top of his lungs, yeah! Hey, don't miss this. It wasn't until he saw that I put my arm about him. It wasn't until he knew the arm of his father was about him. It wasn't until he knew that dad was in the seat next to him and dad was there to protect him and dad was there to walk uh, to ride with him. It wasn't until he knew that the presence of his father was sitting next to him and on the ride with him. Then and then only was he willing to let go and enjoy the ride the way it was designed. And for some of you, as we look at the life of Bartimaeus and you draw parallels to your own life, it's the same principle for you. You you, you find yourself stuck, and the truth of the matter is we often forget that the arm of the Father is about us, that the presence of God is with us, that he says he will never leave us or forsake us. And today, as we see in the life of Bartimaeus, maybe today you're just able to lay down the very things you've held on to that have caused you to remain stuck in your walk with God, stuck in your calling from God. And maybe today you would realize that God is on this ride with you. For the first time, you can let go and raise your arms in worship. In Mark chapter 10, the story is found in verse 46. We'll pick up and just read the, the scriptures and then find just 
three simple steps this morning that will help us in our walk with God. It says this, and they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, Call him. They called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus. And when Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. Here, right before our eyes, we need to live in the experience with Bartimaeus. Day by day, Bartimaeus' life was the same. It was the same mundane routine. He had a physical ailment in being blind, and therefore the only thing he could do in his life to earn a living, to earn the next meal, was to go to a street corner, and day by day he would ask people as they passed by for alms or bread or water. Day by day he had a routine of going to the street corner and begging as people walked by. Every day he found himself at the mercy of the generosity of those who would pass by. And there's a couple of things we need to understand about Bartimaeus that that, that helps us to understand the, the, the culture in this moment. Number one is he had a physical ailment. That physical ailment would cause all kind of other issues in his life. Number one, it would cause him to have financial issues because he was not able to earn a living because of his physical ailment. Two, it would cause him to have social issues. He was a social outcast. He was considered to be outcast from normal society because of his physical limitations. Therefore, he would be cast to a street corner, never having the edge of society, but yet being cast to the edge of society. He had a physical issue that would have led to social issues. Those physical and social issues would have led to financial issues. Friends, I would have to believe if he's like most any person I've ever met, if you have physical issues that led to financial issues that led to social issues, there were probably some emotional issues as well. Why am I like this? What did I do to cause me to be one who would be outcast from society? What did I do that I can't earn a living just like everyone else? And here we find this man sitting on the street corner begging every single day. But something was about to happen in his life. There was a day that was going to be like no other day. There was a day in which His life would be forever changed. The trajectory of his future radically transformed by the person of Jesus. 
And that's where we pick up today on that roadside. And we see, beginning verse 46, he says, And when they came to Jericho, as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples in a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. The first thing I want you to understand out of the life of Bartimaeus today that would help you and I parallel to his life, the circumstances we're walking in, to really help push us forward into what God would have for us is simply this. The first step to transformation in his life was the realization of where he was. Therefore, the first step to transformation in our life is the realization of where I am. What do you mean? Well, it was no secret to Bartimaeus. Every day of his life, he would go to the same street corner, perhaps, and he would sit down there on the roadside in Jericho, and he would day by day do the same thing, the same begging, the same pleading, day by day finding himself at the mercy of everyone else. You see, in order for Bartimaeus that we're going to see the courage that he finds well up within him, in order to get himself to that place, Bartimaeus must have known his current reality. He must have known that every day of his life was going to be the same. Every day of his life was going to be the mundane begging and being at the mercy of everyone else. You see, for him, he had to realize that apart from some miraculous Action in his life, this is what his life always has been. And for the foreseeable future, this is what his life always would be. And Friends, in your life and in my life, I don't know about you, but the times that I have found myself really struggling in my walk with God, the times I've really found myself just stuck, feeling like I can't make progress, feeling like I, I'm just in this rut in life or I'm in this rut in my calling. Sometimes it's in a rut in my marriage or in a rut of, of, of parenting. I, I have to always remember and always realize that in order for me to move forward in that through the Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I have to identify and realize where I am. And I have to realize that if I want to move forward, I can't live indifferent or ignorant to where I am. This is Bartimaeus, day by day, on the street corner. In order for him to realize what he is going to realize, he had to first understand and realize where he is. Friend, I don't know what your current reality is. Maybe it's your church's reality. Maybe you need to realize where you are and understand where it is that God wants you to go through your pastor's leadership. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know where you're at in your walk with God, in your job, in your family, in your relationships. But here's what I know. In order for us to move forward in what the Lord would have us, we have to come to realization of where we are. Sometimes that is the most difficult thing to do because oftentimes where I am is not where I need to be or desire to be. But it takes a real obliteration of pride in my heart. For me to realize that I'm not where I need to be or I'm not where God wants me to be. So we see there that Bartimaeus, he's a blind beggar, and he goes on to verse 47 and says, And when he had heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. <laughs> I love this about Bartimaeus. First, he realizes this is what my life is going to be if, if there's not some kind of change and if there's not something miraculous that takes place. This is all my life will ever be. I'll always be confined to this disability. I'll always be confined to this street corner. I'll always be confined to the outcasts of society. But yet what happens in his life? 
He is there on the street corner, and one day something is different. He feels the vibration of the ground. He hears an enormous chatter start walking through town. It's the Jesus with the entourage that would be around him, the large crowds that would follow him. And all of a sudden, there's something different about this day in Jericho. Now Bartimaeus is on that street corner. He's begging, and he all of a sudden, he begins to hear a rumble. And I can only imagine Bartimaeus with those around him saying, what's going on? What is the noise? Perhaps somebody said to him, Bartimaeus, Jesus is coming through town. This is the man that they say has healed the lame, caused the deaf to hear, even raised the dead. This is those that they would say is the Messiah, the Son of God. And can you imagine with me this morning that there on that street corner, on this very mundane day, something begins to take place in the heart of Bartimaeus. Something begins to give him a courage and a boldness that perhaps he had never had. Something begins to to, to click in his mind that this could be the day that my life is changed forever. How do we know that something different was taking place in Bartimaeus' heart? Listen to what it says. As he was there begging, when he heard that it was Jesus in town, look what Bartimaeus does. It says he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I can only imagine the picture of Bartimaeus on the street corner. He can't see, so he doesn't know which direction Jesus is coming from. He just hears the noise. He hears the excitement. He hears the enthusiasm of the crowds as they drop things and begin to run to lay eyes on this man that they call the Son of God. And I can only imagine that Bartimaeus stood to his feet and began to yell out, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Not knowing where he is, he's just turning circles saying, Jesus, wherever you are, Jesus, Son of David, have Have mercy on me. You see, because here's the second realization that we come to today in the life of Bartimaeus. The second step of his transformation was that there was a relentless desperation for the presence of God in his life. In other words, there was a relentless desperation for him to get the attention of God in the flesh. And here he stands up and he begins to yell out, Jesus Have mercy on me. Now, here's how we know there were Christians in this day. (laughs) Because there was a ton of enthusiasm about Jesus being near. And yet, what happens? Bartimaeus is crying out for help. He's crying out to get the attention of God in the flesh. And yet, verse 48 says, And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. Here is his chance for life change, his chance to somewhat become unstuck from the reality he's lived in his whole life, his chance to move forward, his chance to have a a different life. And he begins crying out with everything he has, desperate, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. But then what happens? His friends run over and say, hey, Bartimaeus, shh. Jesus don't want to hear you. You're just a beggar. He's got more important things to do. He's got more important people to see. Bartimaeus, be quiet. I can imagine some saying, Bartimaeus, you've got to stop yelling, man. You are embarrassing us. I love 
the tenacity of Bartimaeus. Listen to what it says. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. So he went back to his street corner, sat down, and continued begging for water. No. <laughs> Listen to what it says. And Bartimaeus cried out all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I love this portrait of who Bartimaeus is. I love what is going on in his mind, in his heart, as he thinks to himself, I have been sitting on this street corner my entire life. Every day of my life has been dependent on somebody else's generosity. I've been to doctors. I've tried everything. Everyone has told me there is no hope. I will always be blind. I will always be a beggar. I will always be a social outcast. But I'm hearing that Jesus, the man who they say is the Son of God, is this close to me, and I refuse to let him get this close and pass me by. And I, I'm going to stand up and in desperation, I am going to pursue his presence. I'm going to pursue to get the attention of the Son of God. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Bart, be quiet. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Bart, you can't yell at him. Jesus, Son of David, please have mercy on me. See, friends, here's what happens in life. When we realize that we are essentially stuck, we're in this rut, we're not moving forward, we're in a pattern that we've been in, and it seems like, no matter what we do or we try to get out, listen to me. There's a lot of things you can try that will lead you to frustration. But there's nothing like in the midst of difficulties and circumstances sitting in the Word of God and in the presence of God, reading the Word of God. This is what Bartimaeus does. He wants to be in the presence of God in the flesh. So he begins crying out, Jesus, son of David. But I want you to understand in your life, and I want you to understand in your church. Man, I've seen it all, all over our state. We have churches that are experiencing some significant times of refreshing from the Lord right now. And there's all kind of things happening in these churches. But in the midst of God doing things in these churches, there are also moments in which the enemy is attacking. I heard it said once, I believe it was C.T. Studd that said, when God builds a church, the devil builds a chapel next door. <laughs> And that when we get excited and we get enthusiastic about what God is doing in our lives or when we get excited about what God is doing in our church family and how God is moving among us, I'm telling you, man, there will be critics. There will be opposition. The enemy cannot stand to see the believer flourish in the things of God. The enemy cannot stand to see when a church is experiencing a fresh movement of God's spirit among them and people's lives are being changed. So the enemy goes into overtime. There will be critics and there will be opposition. I've seen it over and over again. But friend, listen, in your life, as you just go, Lord, this area of my life, I just can't seem to move forward. I, I feel like Bartimaeus. I feel like I'm just in the mundane rhythms of life. But God, I want more of you for me. I want more of you in me. I want to be more like you. Critics will come. But you have to be like, my grandfather used to be a pastor. And he used to say this about critics because if you've ever been a pastor, you know there are critics. In fact, I used to pastor pastor of a First Baptist church in a small East Texas town. And I used to say the three most criticized people in town are the school superintendent, the head football coach, and the pastor at First Baptist church. They're just a fraternity, man. But my grandfather used to say this. He used to say, 
I despise those guys who criticize and minimize those vigorous guys whose enterprise helped them rise above those guys who criticize. If you can say that backwards, I'll give you $100, okay? <laughs> I'll say it again. He used to say, I despise those guys who criticize and minimize those vigorous guys whose enterprise helped them rise above those guys who criticize. Listen, friend, here's what I want you to see in the life of Bartimaeus. When you become passionate about the things of God, when you begin to sense God moving in your heart and in your mind and in your life, maybe in your marriage or your relationship, maybe in your church, there will be people that come and try to discourage you. There will be people that will come and metaphorically try to put you back on the street corner, the rut, the place you've been living in, that you're not fulfilling all that God wants you to fulfill in your life. There will be people that will encourage you to be quiet will encourage you to, to sit still. But, oh, friend, we have an example in the life of Bartimaeus what a desperation looks like. What a desperation for more of God in my life looks like. What a desperation for the presence of God in my life looks like. Look, look what happens. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And I love this, friends. I love this. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart. Get up. He's calling you. Can you imagine those same guys who criticized were now probably running over going, hey, Bart, he wants to see you. Come on, I'll take you. But what happens here? Jesus is walking among many, more than likely. The city is having a moment of mass enthusiasm because this man is walking and the large crowds are following. I'm sure there were a lot of important people around. But why does Jesus hear Bartimaeus? Why does Jesus stop and call this man that everybody else had cast out as insignificant, that everybody else had told to be quiet? Why does he stop and call him? Let me tell you what I believe. Because I believe that Jesus is, has always been, and will always be drawn to the weak, the broken. Here, Bartimaeus is broken. He's weak. But yet his heart cries out with everything he has. Son of David, have mercy on me. Let me illustrate it to you this way. My boys are all athletes. My son's a senior. And he's a, a kicker. Now, I have to be honest with you. If, you're a if you follow football, I was a middle linebacker. That means we made fun of kickers. <laughs> Had no idea God would give me a kicker. But for whatever reason, God gave me a kicker. And by God's grace, he's a really good kicker. He just committed to play Division I football just a few weeks ago, and we're excited about his future. When he was small, he played soccer all the way up. And it was inevitable that time, and by time and time again, he would come in and say, Dad, watch this. You know, I've got this soccer trick I want to do. And I'd say, fine, son, show it to me. And he would show it to me. And, and, uh, and then I would maybe get watching a, a game or watching something. He'd come back in a little later, Dad, watch this new trick. And, and, and I, uh, son, okay, I see your trick. And I'd go back to watching TV. And, 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 and it's just constantly that he would come in and he would say, Dad, uh, watch this trick. But after a while, you understand what I'm saying as a parent? 
you're not impressed with their tricks. You just want to finish watching what you're watching. But he comes in, I'm impressed with your tricks. And he's, I'm not impressed with your tricks. But isn't that what we do to God? Hey, God, did you hear the sermon I preached today? Well, yes, Nathan, I did. But don't forget who wrote the book. God, did you enjoy that worship, incredible worship, that choir? God, wasn't it great? Yes, man, it was great. And I, and I, I enjoyed the worship of my people. But Nathan, don't forget, you're in Dumas today among Brothers and sisters who are lifting up my name, and it was beautiful, but do not forget that I'm also simultaneously listening to the choir of angels forever singing, holy, holy, holy. God, aren't these facilities beautiful? God, aren't they a place for you to meet with your people? And yes, I love these facilities, but don't forget where I am, the streets are made of gold. You see, at the end of the day, God is not impressed with our tricks. But watch this. I'm an avid LSU fan. I might have screamed in the truck last night on the way to the hotel. Imagine, and you would have to imagine these days, but imagine LSU got to this national championship. Imagine it's fourth down and goal on the one-yard line, and this is the last play of the game, and all season long, I've been waiting for this, and I've got my face painted purple and gold. I've got everything done, and, and I've been watching this. And, and, and imagine that they break the huddle to come, and if they score, they win the national championship. And all season long has come down to this moment, and I'm so engaged, and I'm, I'm like not sitting back watching now. I'm like this close to the TV. I'm ready to make a fool of myself in front of my whole family. Imagine that. Imagine they break the huddle, they come to the line, the quarterback gets under center, he's calling out the play, my heart is beating, I'm ready to celebrate, and right in that moment, imagine, I hear the cries of one of my children saying, Dad, help, I'm hurt, Dad, I need you. Let me ask you something, church. Do you think it matters what's on that TV? No. Why? Because when I hear the desperate cries of my child in need, there is not a brick wall thick enough to stop me from getting to my child when my child cries out in desperation. Why did Jesus hear Bartimaeus? I believe it's because in desperation and brokenness, Bartimaeus said, oh, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You see, friends, we, if we're going to move forward and progress in our life circumstances, perhaps even in our churches, first thing we have to do is realize where we are and understand that we are in a place where we need God to move in our life. Second of all, we must realize that there needs to be a relentless desperation that wells up in our heart. To say, oh God, I'm crying out as a desperate child. I need more of you, God. I need to be more like you. I need you to move on my behalf. I need you to move in our city. I need you to move in our church. But a third thing is this, quickly. The third step to transformation is making a radical decision to move forward now. Look at verse 50 and 52. They call him. This is, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Rabbi, 
Let me recover my sight. And Jesus said, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. The third step to transformation in my life and your life, perhaps in our life of our churches, are simply this, that we must make radical decisions to move forward now. Look what happens. He's on a street corner. He's begging. He's crying out, Jesus, son of David. He's desperate to get the attention of the son of God, the God in the flesh. And he gets it. Because he cries out with a broken heart, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stops. He says, call him here. Now Bartimaeus is in a unique situation. Now he has to decide, what do I do? It's one thing to cry out to God to move. It's another thing when when God in the flesh stops in front of him and calls him there. Now he's got to make a decision. Do I go? Or do I stay? Do I move towards Jesus? Or do I stay where I'm really comfortable? I love what the scripture records that he got up and he threw off his cloak. A cloak in that day, especially for someone who's a social outcast, would have been perhaps what he laid down to collect the alms. It would have been an identifying factor that he was an outcast, that he was physically impaired. And so I love what it says that he threw off his cloak because Symbolically, he was saying, I'm not holding on to this anymore. I'm running towards Jesus. Here's the thing about Bartimaeus' journey across the street to go to Jesus. There was no guarantee that Jesus was going to heal him. There was no guarantee what Jesus was going to do. But yet Bartimaeus found himself in a situation in which he realized, this is all my life will be if something drastic doesn't change, if something miraculous doesn't happen. He sits on the street corner. He hears that God in the flesh is passing by. He wells up courage and desperation to cry out in his brokenness, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And now Jesus has stopped and called him, and now he has to make a decision. Am I going to stay where it's comfortable? Am I going to stay in what I've always known my entire life? Or in faith, am I going to step across the street with no guarantees, and am I going to walk towards Jesus and ask Jesus to do what only he can do? Oftentimes in my life, friends, I'm telling you, it is easier for me to stay in the place of comfort, even though it's not what's best for me, it's not what God has for me, it's easier when I've built a wall around me of comfort, and it's not training to my faith, it's not challenging to me, it's easier for me to stay there than it is for me to rise up and in faith walk towards the things that God's calling me to. However, however, as we parallel our lives In our circumstance with Bartimaeus, we see that Bartimaeus did not sit there, not even for a moment. He jumped up, threw off the identity, uh, identifying cloak that he had, walked out in faith, and requested that Jesus heals him. And what happens? Go your way. Your faith has made you well. You see, friends, in my life, When I find myself like Bartimaeus, just stuck in the rut, I've got to realize that I'm stuck in that rut. I can't live indifferent to that. When I find myself like Bartimaeus, stuck in that rut, something has to happen in my heart as I get in God's word and in the presence of the Lord and my time with him. And I've got to cry out in desperation, God, would you meet me where I'm at? God, would you help me? Would you help me in this situation? God, would you give me wisdom? Holy Spirit, would you transform my life in in this area? Would you help me to lead this way? Would you help me to, to, to walk in holiness and integrity? All of these things that sometimes hold us back. And then as God begins to work in our life, we have to be willing to be obedient to what he's drawing us to. 
And sometimes that means sacrificing what we're walking from. This is the life of Bartimaeus. This is the life that oftentimes I find myself in. To understand that the Holy Spirit is with us to help us to walk with us. And friends, as you walk along, my greatest prayer for you is that whatever that symbolic street corner is in your life, that today you would realize that's where you're at. That you would allow some desperation in your heart to say, that's comfortable, but it's not what's best. It's not what God has for me. And you would begin calling out God afresh in your new, in your life and in your heart and in your circumstance. And as God begins to work in you, as God begins to show you how he wants you to walk, where he wants you to go, what he wants you to do, I pray that you would be willing to jump up and leave behind this thing that's been keeping you in this rut and walk towards what he has for you. As a church, that you would even look at, the, at, at where you are. Not where you've been, but where you are. And that you would desperately cry out that God would do more in your church, that God would, 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 would allow through the leadership of your pastor you guys to reach this city in a new way and, and that God would begin to utilize this church to engage this city with the gospel like never before and that you would in, in enthusiastically walk towards that as God gives that vision to your pastor and your leaders. Trusting him all along. So what does it take in your life and in my life to get unstuck, to get out of that rut, realize where you are, crowd in desperation to our God. And as God begins to speak to you, as God begins to draw you close, as God begins to show you the way forward, walk in obedience and enthusiasm towards the things that God has for you. And watch what he does in your life. Let's pray together. If you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Jesus, let me just say this to you before we go any further. Those who don't know Christ, you're in a rut you cannot get yourself out of. There is nothing, in fact, Scripture says you are spiritually dead in trespasses and sin. But today you can realize that rut, you can realize that you're lost, you can realize that you are not in relationship with God and you can desperately cry out to God to save you. To have mercy on you. God can draw you to himself and you can take that step of faith and cross that line of faith and give your life to Jesus today. And your life, like Bartimaeus's, your life could forever be changed and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit through what Jesus has done on the cross. So if you're here this morning, you've never giving your life to Christ. I'm begging you this morning when we respond, would you just remove yourself from your seat? Your pastor will be down front. Would you just come take him by the hand and simply say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. I want to cross that line of faith and I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. He'll show you in scripture how you enter in a relationship with Jesus. For the rest of you today, man, you've got situations in your life, if you're like me, even today, I've got situations in my life that I just feel like I can't get out of that rut. I'm stuck. And this morning might be a time where you come get on your knees and you begin to desperately cry out to God, Jesus, have mercy on me.
Maybe it's a son or a daughter that's running from God. Maybe today you need to come as a mom or a dad, or maybe it's a grandson or granddaughter. You come get on your knees, and you need to begin praying for that son or that grandson, that daughter or that granddaughter, and you need to begin saying, God, would you move in their life? God, they're stuck. They're in a, a they're rut. God, they're, they're, they're running from you. God, would you draw them to yourself? Maybe it's a, your marriage. Maybe it's a relationship or your job or Whatever it is, maybe it's your spiritual journey and you just be honest today and say, I'm not where I need to be. Maybe today that same courage would well up inside of you that did Bartimaeus to say, I know that God is in this place and I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to cry out to him. Maybe today God's been dealing with you about something over the last few days or weeks. Maybe today it's that getting out of that rut is you standing up and crossing in obedience to what God's been saying to you and walking in faith. Say, God, would you move among us? Bartimaeus' life was forever changed because of an encounter with the Son of God. Faith in the Son of God and obedience to the Son of God. What's holding you back today? Father, I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit that in this place, God, I know there are people that are just spiritually stuck. I pray today you'd give them the courage just to come and get on their face before you. Desperately cry out to you. God, all over this place, I know there are men and women here who represent sons and daughters, grandsons and granddaughters who don't know you or they're far from you. God, would we get on our knees and pray? Would we cry out on their behalf, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on my son or my grandson or my daughter or my granddaughter, whoever that person is in your life. Father, would you move today? Among us in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. For more information about what it means to follow Jesus as Lord, you can email us at fbcdumas at hotmail.com. It's fbcdumas at hotmail.com. You can also reach us by phone at 806-935-5604. We'll see you next time.